Hello and welcome once again to What's Out There, the paranormal podcast from the Out There Paranormal Group. And talking for you tonight, we have myself, Nigel. And myself, Juliet. Hello. Here we are again, back with another podcast. I know we're spoiling you, but there we go. But it's been a bit of a summer, hasn't it? It really has. It's been a bit of a wet summer. And a warm summer. Well, some of us, it was a lot warmer than others, wasn't it, young lady? Because someone, not a million miles away, has been away on a really lovely holiday. Yeah, it was, yeah. actually. What were you doing? Yeah, went on a cruise. On a cruise? Yeah. On a cruise? Visited Pompeii. That's so posh. I I'm did so... Pompeii years ago, but uh, to go back again, it was glorious. I'm so jealous. Fascinating. I actually. really, really want to go, you know, but the chances of an out of go are pretty slim, but... Never I saw say your. Never. Pi- I know. Never I know. say never. But I did see your pictures, and you brought me back some lovely souvenirs. So I've still got some more piggies to show you. Actually, that's great. Okay, but it's it's just utterly fascinating yeah. and quite macabre, actually. Yeah. When you see the plaster casts of the people, and um, but it's it's like when you're going down the streets in Pompeii, you can actually see the grooves where the chariots used to go, oh, and they've got stepping stones in the street. Yeah which were used by the, the locals when it rained, so they didn't get soaking wet when they were crossing the road. And what was fascinating was they actually carved, there's all these little tiny bits of marble on the roads. Yeah. And that was their version of cat's eyes, because at night time it used to light the roads. Oh, wow. Yeah, really, really oh, clever. good God. And they didn't realise they were poisoning um, each other because all their pipe system was made of lead. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just the history yeah. is phenomenal. The Romans are so, so yeah. far advanced yeah. in the stuff that they did. Really, it's absolutely really incredible. Well. I wonder mm-hmm. if Pompeii is haunted. I didn't tune in. No. I didn't have time. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't say, you're busy sort of rushing about on a guided And tour. I have my boys with me, exactly. so, so it wasn't not really be, the yeah. right time. It's but, one of those um, ones where you wonder whether or not there is anything, any essence left there. I would, well, bearing in mind how they died, yeah. because the residents at the time apparently did not know that Mount Vesuvius was a volcano. They no. had no idea. No. So when it actually did explode, it, it was a shock to them. They yeah. didn't know. Oh, my God. So, yeah. yeah. Limey. Yeah, I know, but it was, yeah, it really was. It was very hot, too yes, hot, actually. Too hot, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we, you know, we've all seen on the news about the horrific fires that have been going on all over the world and stuff. You know, I was watching Poor Hawaii today, Oh, which that is, is dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Heartbreaking. Uh, really sad. But it's just, I guess it just sends a message out there that um, we need to be very careful about what we're doing with the environment we as do. well. Yeah, you have to watch ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Sober messages, what are we doing? It's not like us, is it? Well, because it's been so hot, we're going to bring some water into your life. We certainly are. You see, cruises got me thinking. Mm -hmm. As you know, I do. When something pops into my head, I just have to sort of think. We could do a podcast about that. We could. So, And we have. You've been on the boat. You've been on the boat. I have. So I want to talk about ghost boats. And that boat wasn't haunted. Wasn't it? I don't think so. Uh-huh. But it was such a big boat. Yeah. It was huge. Too big, actually. It was massive. Really. Mm. Thousands of people on it. It was yeah. very, very big. Very busy, which was a bit, you know. But it was it was a beautiful ship. Absolutely beautiful. Right. So talking about ships, <laughs> yes. we're going to talk about 
ghost ships. Ooh, I, I love ghost ships. Ah, you One see? One of my favourites. So, yeah, what can we say about ghost ships? Well, there's two categories mainly, isn't there? There is. There's two sort of examples that we get sort of, they mostly fall into these two categories. Um, the best way I suppose I can explain them is for us to give like a couple of classic examples of mm -hmm. these ships. So, first of all, you've got the Phantom ship. Oh, yes. Uh, a, a true ghost ship, though, and one that sort of appears out of nowhere and disappears just what, as suddenly. Are you talking about something like the Flying Dutchman, for example? Flying Dutchman is a okay. classic, classic example of it. Cool. I mean, it's it's stuck out at sea, it can't get into port, and every so often it will turn up. Um, it's said to be a harbinger of bad luck as well. You see, that fascinates yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Because it has actually been seen by so many people. It has. It? Yes, it has, around the Cape, yeah. Mm. So there it is. All of a sudden it will just appear out of nowhere. Uh, and be gone. And then gone again straight afterwards. Where does it go? I have no idea. Mm. Back down into its watery grave, I expect. Yeah. <laughs> the other example would be the boat that's found adrift. Such as the Mary Celeste. <laughs> You've got it. Oh, that's one of my favourite ones. The ship that's got like... You know, no crew on board mm. at all, and everything's left as it is. You know, the food's still on the table, and there's oh, wow. other versions as well where they've actually found ships adrift, where the actual crew is still on board. Yes, dead. Yeah, no. yeah, where the part of the captain is still sort of sat there at his at his table. And... You got it. Yeah. Oh uh, man, creepy ones. We're going to talk about some really creepy ones today, folks. We certainly are, and I suppose the last category of ship that we can really sort of throw them into would my be my favorite ah, we're talking about this is this really is my i know i've said everything's my favorite, favorite. so far <laughs> but this one i absolutely love so go on it's ships that are <laughs> actually haunted so the ships that have actually got ghosts on board yeah so you can still actually get on board a ship and experience something really scary what, such as the Queen Mary, for example? The Queen Mary Yay. is a completely classic example of a haunted ship, a haunted liner, in fact. And we, we are going to talk about it later, aren't we? It's going to be down there. Love it. It has to be down there because there are so many stories Love it. about that ship. So what we need to do, I suppose, is... is make a start. Tell you some stories. Ooh. Okay. So, where are we starting? We're starting 13th of February, 1748. Meet Captain Simon Reed. He's busy celebrating his recent marriage and he wants to take his new wife, Annetta, on a beautiful honeymoon tour on his beloved ship, a three-masted schooner named the Lady Loveybond. Such a lovely name. He's a lovely name, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, the destination was going to be Oporto in Portugal um, with a few stops along the way. And when they left port on that three-master schooner, nobody on board knew that that boat was never going to return to England. Mm, so, for when you ignore the law of the sea, then you are taking great risks. And Captain Reed had broken two superstitions for sailors when he issued the command to cast off. So first, the ship set off on Friday the 13th, as we know, a notorious day for really bad luck. 
and additionally, a lady, his wife, Annetta, was on board as it set sail. Women, of course, were an omen of bad luck on board ships. Hang on a minute. What do you mean women are bad luck? They're bad luck. No, they're not. It's a well-known thing. They can be very good luck. Oh, no, no. Sailors. Can't have women on board. You know, because they distracted the crew. Oh, so it's the woman's fault. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it would anger the sea. This is it. It distracted the crew. It would anger the sea. And it causes treacherous conditions as revenge. So you didn't mm. have them on the boat. Simple mm. as that. Okay. So I'm going to come back right at you, right? Oh, I know. Matey. You come on in. Matey. Come on in. Because, conveniently, right, <laughs> half-naked women actually calmed the sea. And that, my friend is why you get so many figureheads on boats with women with bare breasts. So. <laughs> That's a Buddy boy. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Blimey, where did that come from? Well, you know. Well, it's you and your mermaids, isn't it? That's all bad luck. No, I know. Yeah, well, some of us are good luck. I'd let women. As on. long as we take our tops off. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's what calms the sea. Lordy, Lord. Oh, dear. I'm saying nothing else. <laughs> probably best. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, um, in some versions of this tale, um, it wasn't just Annetta that was on board the ship. It was the whole bridal party. So, like, the mother and everybody. I hope they had their tops on. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Would have been an interesting journey Good otherwise. Grief. Right. So anyway, sailing past the Kent coast, all was not well on the ship. The first mate, a certain John Rivers, had become smitten by the beautiful Annetta, pacing the decks in jealous anger, while the captain and his wife and their guests were celebrating the marriage below deck. Rivers was seized with a fit of jealous rage. Casually drawing a heavy club-like belaying pin from the rail, Rivers walked softly up behind the crew member at the wheel and felled him to the deck with one crushing blow. Then seizing the ship's wheel, Rivers steered the ship onto the treacherous Goodwin Sands, killing everyone on board. So our story may have ended there, but 50 years later, on February the 13th, 1798, Captain Westlake, in command of the Eden Bridge, was sailing past the Goodwin Sands when he saw a ship, a three-masted schooner, ahead on a collision course with the Eden Bridge. Forced to take evasive action, Captain Westlake was surprised to hear the sound of joyous merriment coming from the ship as it drifted past. A small fishing vessel also reported seeing a schooner. Now the witness said he saw the schooner go aground and become wrecked. When he and his crew attempted to make a rescue, they could not find the wreck. The ship has completely disappeared. Fifty years go by without any further sightings until in 1848, the Lady Lovibond appeared again. Crewmen ashore at Deal say they saw the ship wreck and went out on a rescue party. However, when the lifeboats got close enough to board, the ship simply faded away into thin air. So, 1898, and once again, 
the Lady Loverbond reappears and is wrecked on the sands. And once again, she looked so real that several ships in the area actually launched small boats in an effort to assist the distressed ship, only to find nothing there. Following this strange 50-year trend, Captain Bull Prestwick spotted Lady Lovibond in 1948. The legend, seemingly more well-known at this point, had grown even more. Captain Prestwick said that the ship seemed entirely corporeal, except for the faint green glow it gave off. Oh, now, in 1998, a large crowd gathered in the hope of seeing the ship. But, sadly on this occasion, Lady Loverbond declined to show herself. It's a bit sad, isn't it? I know, right? I was kind of hoping all the people would gather with, maybe that's why. But, yeah. there is another opportunity to see her. So, apparently, this ghostly schooner will show herself again in 2048. So, what, we've got 25 years to wait? We need to get ready. We need to get ready. <laughs> we need to get down to the Kent coast That's and right. wait to see if We've this boat appears. No time. problem at all. So there we go, folks. If you've got nothing to do in 2048, I can't remember the exact date now, get your way down That's it. to the Kent coast That's it. and look out for this ghostly ship. Exactly. Yeah. I like that story. Mm, so do I. It's a nice little one anyway. So we've had a ghost ship. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about a ship that yes. is found. Let's talk about uh, Mary Celeste. We could have told you the Mary Celeste story, but it's it's such a popular one that everybody knows it. So yeah. I've sort of dug around a little bit to see if mm. I can find another one. This one is a little bit known, but not massively well known. Yeah, I was really surprised when, you, people, when, you, when you said about it, yeah. Some people will know about this one. Yeah. And for some of you gamers out there and readers... You might have heard about this boat. Yep. Okay. I'll tell the story and you can okay. you can you can enlarge on that a bit later <laughs> on, can you? It's October the eleventh, seventeen seventy-five. The whaling ship Herald was working the frigid waters off Greenland when it spotted a sailing ship lying dead in the water. On nearing the ship, the crew noticed that the ship was a weather beaten, the sails were tattered and torn and hanging limply on the masts. As they got closer, they could see the name of the ship was the Octavius, but there appeared to be no crew on the deck. After signalling to the ship and getting no response, a five-man boarding party was cobbled together to search this vessel. The boarding party arrived on deck to find it was completely deserted. Breaking open the ship's hatch, they scrambled down the ladder into the semi-darkness below. Swinging their lantern around to see better in the gloom, a terrifying sight met their eyes. The entire 28-man crew were there, frozen to death in their quarters. In the captain's cabin, they found the captain seated at his desk, pen in hand, with the ship's logbook open on the desk in front of him. The inkwell and other everyday items were still in their place on the desk, Turning around, they saw a woman wrapped in a blanket on the bunk, frozen to death, along with the body of a young boy. Looking around the cabin, 
They also found a sailor with a tinderbox near the stove, as if he was trying to light it to warm them all before succumbing to the fatal temperatures. Completely terrified by what they had found, the boarding party dashed off the ship in a mad hurry, but not before ripping away what they could out of the captain's logbook. Back on board the Herald, they managed to piece together the tale of the Octavius from what remained. According to the log, the Octavius left London in 1761 with a full crew, the skipper and his wife and son. They arrived safely in China and unloaded their cargo. They headed back to sea once she was loaded with goods destined for home. This all took place 14 years prior to the discovery by the Herald. The captain of the Octavius, it seems, had tried to navigate the Northwest Passage, but his ship had become imprisoned in the ice of the Arctic and the entire crew had perished. The ship's last recorded position was 75 degrees north, 160 degrees west, which placed the Octavius 250 miles north of Barrow, Alaska. As the Octavius had been found off the coast of Greenland, it must have broken loose from the ice at some stage and completed its voyage through the passage to come out the other side, where it met the Herald. So in a strange way, the Octavius had done what no other ship had done with a crew of corpses. It sailed the Northwest Passage. The crew of the Herald were frightened of the Octavius and feared that it was cursed. So they simply left it adrift to this day, it has never been sighted again. Now, the Octavius is so well known that it's also featured in a naval mission in the video game, which you may have heard of, Assassin's Creed 3, where the main character... Connor Kenway is searching for clues to the whereabouts of Captain Kidd's lost treasure. Now, a novel was also based on this boat, and it was Jacques Tardy's graphic novel Les Demons de Glace, The Demon of the Ice, in 1974. So, this story is so well known that people not only have had to produce a computer game out of it, yeah. but also written a about it. I didn't even know that. No. I researched the story. And I, then you... I didn't know until I looked on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was me Left. thinking that you Left. knew that when you... I well, I it. knew. I knew about Assassin's Creed. So I, I didn't say know it's I... a game, yeah. yeah. Well, I know you're I a gamer. Like, so. I do like gaming, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought the book's quite interesting. I'd like to find that, if they've got an English version. Yeah. Mind I think a graphic novel as well, so I'd like to see the sort of pictures in that one. It'd be really interesting. 1974, when I was born. Oh. Oh. The book's as old as you. God, I'm old. I'm not going to say a word. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had frozen bodies on the last ship. This one's actually going to have some different kind of bodies on it. Oh, what kind of bodies? Topless bodies? Fresh ones. Oh, well, so yeah. nothing to, you know, pacify the crew to... <laughs> you do a battle no? back again, aren't you? Well, you know, I just thought I'd ask. You know. No, no, no. There's no boobs on this boat. No boobs on this boat. <laughs> yes, well, it's doomed to failure then. <laughs> it is indeed. That's all I'm going to say. That's why. Indeed. You found the reason. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll best tell the story. Okay. 
It's June 1947 and we're on board the Silver Star, an American merchant vessel passing through the Straits of Malacca between Sumatra and Malaya. The radio operators picked up a distress signal that says, all officers, including captain, dead, lying in chart room and on bridge, probably whole crew, dead. The message is followed by a garbled mess of Morse code that makes no sense until a final message comes through. I die, followed by complete silence. The location of the vessel was not given out, but with the help of British and Dutch listening posts, the coordinates of the vessel thought to be transmitting were triangulated. It was the Dutch freighter SS Oorang Medan. Given the content of the distress calls, a captain of the Silver Star wastes no time in navigating to the coordinates. Several hours later, the lookout on board the Silver Star spotted the stricken Oorang Medan. Even as the rescue ship pulled alongside, no signs of life could be seen visually. All efforts to contact the crew failed, forcing the captain of the Silver Star to organise a search party to board the vessel. The moment that the search party boarded, it was obvious that the messages were horribly accurate. The crew was indeed dead, their bodies strewn across the decks, teeth bared, with their upturned faces to the sun, staring as if in fear. Their bodies contorted and arms outstretched as if fending off an attacker, but without any signs of injury. Even the ship's dog was dead, frozen in this ghastly state mid-growl as an assailant or horror unknown. During the search efforts, the rescue party noticed several things that struck them as odd. The local temperature was in excess of 100 degrees Fahrenheit, but members of the team felt an ominous chill coming from somewhere. Another mystery was the condition of the victims. All of them had suffered but none had any injuries to note. They were also decaying quicker than they should. Well, the ship itself didn't appear to have suffered any damage. Now the rescue party returned to the Silver Star and a decision was made to tow the Orang Medan for salvage. It was only when they tethered the ships together that they discovered smoke below decks specifically in the number four cargo hold. They quickly severed the tow rope and seconds later, the Orang Medan exploded. The sheer force lifted it out of the water before it sank rapidly below the waves. The mystery deepens, however, because according to maritime records, including the Lloyd's ship register, the SS Orang Medan never existed. There is no trace of this ghost ship to be found. Some of the stories say the ship was registered in Sumatra. At that time, Sumatra was a Dutch colony that formed part of the Dutch East Indies. In Indonesia, Orang means man and Medan is the largest city on the island of Sumatra. Hence the name Orang Medan literally means man from Medan. There is nothing to back up these stories, so this mystery remains. 
There's a booklet that goes into more depth about the incident. The booklet called the Das Totenschiffen des Sudsee, written by Otto Milka, established the date as June 1947. Rumours suggest that a crewman aboard the Silver Star authenticated this. It was also this booklet that mentioned the cargo hold and what might have been inside. According to the booklet, the cargo hold contained potassium cyanide and nitroglycerin. If this is actually true, then it could explain why there are no official records anywhere. Certainly having these combustible items on a rough sea is severe negligence. It could also explain the subsequent explosion shortly after the salvage attempt. Now some said the vessel was attacked by pirates. Others claimed it was smuggling dangerous chemicals that suffocated the crew and caused the ship to explode. A few conspiracy theorists even believed the incident had supernatural causes. There was even one rumour that a biological warfare weapon made by the notorious Unit 731 of the Japanese Imperial Army was on board and it had leaked, killing the entire crew. So what do you think, Nige? I am of the opinion it's the Unit 731. That, do you know what? That, oh God, I mean that. Go and research that Unit 731 because it's horrendous what mm. they did. They were experimental warfare unit in the Japanese army and they experimented on live people. Terrific. Uh, really, really awful. Some of the stuff they did is just... It's, it's just dark, isn't it? It is really, really dark. And what makes it more sinister is the fact that at the end of the war, mm. the Americans quite happily traded with these guys for the material that they had and some of the stuff that they built, they made them immune from prosecution so they never put through trials. Just like they did in World War II. Exactly, with, with, the, Nazis. with the Nazis and mm -hmm. the rocket scientists. Yeah. yeah. So today, there are still many questions that remain unanswered about the mystery of the SS Orang Madan. So many, in fact, that the ship's tail has been relegated almost completely to the realm of legend. A true ghost ship indeed. I love that story. So do I. It's, it's like one of those ones we just think, oh my God. I mean, imagine if it is true. Mm -hmm. Imagine being that search party that has to board that boat and sees all those dead people. Shocking. There is, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty Massive certain. cover up. Yeah. I mean, Massive, I'm, if, I it, think if it is true. I think that was made into a film as well. I, I sort of remember the story. I think it's mm. been sort of, a film's been made sort of similar to that. Okay. You know, but it's more sort of supernatural sort of based. Um, but if yeah. it is chemical, that's Yeah, I mean, serious. when they're saying it's sort of guys are like frozen and their hands up and white mouth like and it, it. Sound, it sounds like some kind of chemical incident, mm. doesn't it? Horrible. But if it's that Unit 731 biological weapon. Poor guys. Oh my God. Yeah. So we have another tale, don't we, Nigel? We do indeed. And now we're on to ghosts on ships. This is the bit I love. This this is my bit, ghost on ships. I suppose really <laughs> people that love ghost stories are going to be more into this sort of thing because it does sort of feature 
real people experiencing real ghosts. Absolutely. And there's been some paranormal crews that have investigated this particular boat. They have. It is a very, very popular location for paranormal research groups. And it's featured in uh, a few of these sort of more classic uh, TV paranormal shows. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about, Jules? We're talking about the Queen Mary. The Queen Mary, yeah. The Queen Mary, resting in Long Beach Harbour, is the RMS Queen Mary, a colossal ship that was bigger, faster and more powerful than the Titanic. Another ship that has absolutely loads of stories circulating about it. And it's supposed to be haunted, the wreck. It is, Mm. yeah, yeah. Um, This thousand foot long ship began a life when the first kill plate was laid in 1930 at the John Brown shipyard in Clyde, Scotland. The Great Depression held up a construction between 1931 and 1934, but she was finally completed making a maiden voyage on May the 27th, 1936. For three years, the luxury ocean liner hosted the world's rich and famous across the Atlantic. Considered by the upper class to be the only civilized way to travel, she held the record for the fastest ever North Atlantic crossing. But when World War II broke out, In 1939, luxury travel immediately ceased and the ship was transformed into a troop ship known as the Grey Ghost. Tragically, in 1942, the Queen Mary collided with the HMS Curacoa, another ship transporting Allied soldiers, which resulted in the loss of 337 lives. By the end of World War II, the ship had carried more than 800,000 troops, travelled more than 600,000 miles and played a significant role in virtually every major Allied campaign. She really was a ship. Indeed. Well, she still is. When you you see that record, I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? And the fact that she actually hit that other ship but didn't sink. No. And went on to carry on doing this. But it didn't end there, did it? It didn't, no, because at the end of the war, uh, the ship began to transport more than 22,000 war brides and their children to the United States and Canada. Known as the Bride and Baby Voyages, she made 13 voyages for this purpose in 1946. Of course, this is going to be all the people, which is weird because it attaches on to... Other things that we've been doing with yeah, ghost airfields with the American airmen over here marrying British women, having mm. families, and then taking them back home with them. Yeah. Anyway, it's due to the war complete, the, Mer- the Queen Mary was refurbished and resumed her elegant cruises in July 1947. However, by the 1960s, transatlantic cruises were falling out of fashion due to air travel becoming affordable for the masses. On December the 9th, 1967, she made a final voyage to Long Beach. After 1,001 successful Atlantic crossings, she was permanently docked and soon become the luxury hotel she is today. But it's not just rich tourists that wander the ship, though. Some say the Queen Mary is one of the most haunted places in the world with as many as 150 known spirits lurking upon the ship. Over the past 60 years, the Queen Mary has been the site of at least 49 reported deaths, not to mention having gone through the terrors of war. So it is no surprise that spectral spirits of her vivid past continue to walk within her rooms and hallways. Now the engine room's infamous door 13, crushed at least two men to death, 
at different points during the ship's history. During a routine watertight door drill in 1966, the most recent death crushed an 18-year-old crew member. Dressed in blue coveralls and sporting a beard, the young man has often been spied walking the length of Shaft Alley before disappearing by door 13. The first and second class swimming pools are two more popular sports for the Queen's otherworldly guests. Though neither is used today for their original purpose, spirits seemingly are not aware of that fact. In the first class swimming pool, which has been closed for more than three decades, women have often appeared in 1930s style swimming suits, wandering the decks near the pool. Others have reported the sounds of splashing and spied wet footprints leading from the deck to the changing rooms. Some have also spied the spirit of a young girl clutching her teddy bear. Yeah, because there was some, um, in a television paranormal investigation, there was a child's footprints actually yeah. leading... Actually, the pool. And there wasn't any water in the pool. No. But there was the footprints. The wet footprints the water, were there. Which is quite interesting. Yeah. Could it have been placed there deliberately? Possibly. We don't know. We weren't there. But, but then again, we've had experience of wet footprints because we went round somebody's house. Yes, we, we did. And and I said about somebody drowning in the well. Yeah. And as I sound that, as I picked that up and I said that, what do we see? Wet footprints on the floor. I put my hand down and that the floor was, so was wet. Weird, wasn't it? And you could actually and we were in the room, yeah. so nothing could have put that there. No. You know, it was dry when we were there. It was so strange. Witnessed by a number of people as well, because there was about six of us yeah, there, wasn't yeah. there? Because there was me, you and Ali, and then the three ladies that were in the house. So Very interesting. Really, really weird. That one was really strange. Mm. In the Queen's Salon, which once served as the ship's first-class lounge, a beautiful young woman in an elegant white evening gown has often been seen dancing alone in the shadows of the corner of the room. Yet more occurrences have been made in several first-class staterooms. Here, reports have been made of a tall, dark-haired man appearing in a 1930s-style suit, as well as water running and lights turning on in the middle of the night and phones ringing in the early morning hours with no one on the other end of the line. In the third class children's playroom, a baby's cry has often been heard, which is thought to be an infant boy who died shortly after his birth. People have also experienced drastic temperature changes when they entered certain parts of the ship. The stateroom is said to smell of cigars and perfume sometimes, other phenomena people have witnessed include the creaking of doors, knocks, sudden squeals, laughter, sounds of people talking, whistling in an empty room and lights being switched on and off. Now all of this paranormal activity has led to the Queen Mary being named as one of the world's top 10 haunted places by Time magazine. I would love to do that ship. I know. You know, it would be amazing. It would have to be absolutely. I absolutely would. Yeah, really it's, I mean, it's, it's especially the swimming pool. Yeah, so much history. Yeah, and like you said, with the experience that people have had there, mm -hmm. and it has actually been recorded and seen. You know, they've got that evidence. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I would love to do yeah. that. Yeah. And Alcatraz. Well, you've been I there. I have been there, but I haven't done a paranormal investigation. No, but there. you you sent stuff when you were there, though, didn't <laughs> I did. you? I yeah. did, and it was weird. The energies are weird. Layers upon layers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Oh, if only we get to these places, Jules. <laughs> Such a nightmare, isn't I it? I know. We're yeah. destined to wander around woods and ruin buildings in the UK. That's okay. Woods is good. It is. It's scary enough. It certainly was we last time we went there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my lord! Oh god! We've got to do something again like we that. We will do. It was cool. Yeah, yeah. It was cool. We'll find somewhere. Mm. Anyway, back to our boats, and uh, I've got to say this: this last one, I suppose, is the one that really creeps me out. Mm-hmm. Mainly because of the location. Big time. Yeah. And uh, what I'm basically talking about in what can I say? One of my favourite war films is Das Boot. Have you seen the film? No. It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, it tells the story of a U-boat crew in World War Two, and it's a blend of the like claustrophobic surroundings of being on these U-boats. That's why I haven't seen it. And um, because you don't like it, no. you're not a small, small spaces kind of no. person. Yeah, it is really. It's creepy. Close up film, sort of close up, and they're really mm. sort of closed in. It's the tension of being on this sub, you know. Being the hunter, then becoming the hunted, and sort of diving down and being depth charged, and it's all really sort of yeah, I can imagine yeah, and it really sort of brought brought the sort of serving on a U boat to life. It really was good for me. It was nominated for a number of Academy Awards, but imagine okay being on board a submarine stuck. I'm not sure. I want to imagine that to below be the ocean and. There's a lot more on board than your normal crewmen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I don't think I want to imagine that. Okay. Um, We're going to tell the story now of a, basically it's a cursed submarine. Mm. It's an unlucky sub. I've actually heard of this. And it's, honestly, it's it's another one of those stories where um, it's so enshrouded in mystery and there's been so many bits added onto it. It's like trying to pick the truth out of what you've got. But if, you know, even a small part of the story is true, it's really quite horrific, some of the stuff that actually happens. Mm. Um, What we're talking about here is the UB-65, the Unterwasserboot 65. It's basically a submarine, German submarine from the First World War. Okay, so work started on building the UB-65 at the Naval Dockyard at Williamshaven in June 1916. She was one of a class of 24 submarines especially designed to operate out of the ports of occupied Belgium. It was during construction that with bad fortune started to dog this particular submarine. A heavy metal girder was being lowered into position to be welded into the hull. Somehow this girder slipped from the crane tackle and crashed down into the partially constructed boat. One man was killed immediately while another pinned by his legs lay screaming in horrific agony while his workmates tried desperately to get the girder off of him. He later died in hospital. When the construction was finished, three workers went into the engine room to add a few adjustments. They were heard coughing and crying for help. A nearby worker tried to rescue them and found out the door was jammed. And by the time the door was opened, the three men were found dead, killed by poisonous fumes in the engine. No one knew why or how the fumes escaped five men dead already and the UB-65 had not even left the dock on a mission. But that's not all. On a clear day in 1916, the UB-65 stood poised on the slipway waiting to be launched. The deaths that had occurred on her now temporarily forgotten. There were cheers as she went slowly down the slipway. So intent was everyone in watching her go 
that they were unaware of the dark clouds gathering out at sea. The UB-65 had put no more than a mile or two between her and the shore when a squall bore down on her, causing the sea to swamp her decks. As the water receded, they took with them one of the ship's ratings, a cadet who was trying to close the gun deck doors, who disappeared beneath the waters, never to be seen again. A search was undertaken, but no body was found. The crew morale sunk, as you can imagine, it sunk considerably. The UB-65 had claimed her sixth victim. The cheerful atmosphere which had existed on board among the crew was now replaced by a heavy gloom. Could they be sailing on a vessel on which fate had placed the finger of doom? These melodramatic forebodings seemed justified, however, when on the submarine's first dive, reaching the desired depth, the captain ordered the sub to stop descending. The boat malfunctioned and it just kept diving until it hit the bottom. Checking out what caused this malfunction, a leak in the tanks was found trapping the crew underwater for more than 12 hours. And during this frightening period, flood water seeped into the batteries. The resulting toxic fumes spread among the crew. When with some relief the boat finally managed to surface, everyone was violently ill, so much so that two men later died in hospital. After completing her maiden voyage, the UB-65 returned to her base at Wilhelmshaven, where she began taking on torpedoes ready for her first combat patrol. A warhead exploded, killing the second officer known as De Schwartz because of his Mediterranean complexion and eight seamen. Nine other sailors were seriously wounded. So the UB-65 had now claimed 17 lives and had not yet gone into action against the enemy. By this time, anyone being assigned to this particular submarine would have something to worry about, and on top of it all, the first ghost sighting is made. As she was under tow, back to dry dock for repair, a hysterical sailor reported that he had seen the ghost of the second officer, de Schwartz, his arms folded, standing on the prow. The haunting had begun. New crew members were added to replace the casualties, and during a roll call, an officer and a cadet claimed to have seen de Schwartz standing almost like a shadow menacingly in the background. Two sailors claimed to have seen de Schwartz boarding the submarine via the gangplank. One of the sailors, a man called Peterson, was so terrified of the ghost, he deserted the UB-65 before she set off on her first patrol. After that, there were no incidents until January 1918, when the UB-65 was ploughing its way through a rough sea in the English Channel. Frozen to the marrow, a solitary man stood on the deck, keeping a lonely watch from the starboard lookout point. Suddenly he became aware that an officer was standing mute and motionless on the heaving deck below. He was about to call out a warning when the officer looked up and he found himself staring into the face of De Schwarzer, the dead second officer. Scrambling below, the lookout stammered his out his towel to the captain, who went up to the conning tower to see for himself. 
An icy chill clutched at his heart as he saw the figure. Then it vanished, leaving only the grey seas swirling over the deck where it had stood. In February 1918, after the patrol in the English Channel, the UB-65 had just docked at Bruges when the port came under attack by British aircraft. Captain Honig was decapitated by flying shrapnel as he stepped on the gangplank. His headless body was thrown back on the deck. That night, nine men, including an officer, saw the ghost of the second officer standing beside the canvas shroud of the captain's corpse. After this incident, the entire crew requested a transfer from U-65 and the boat was placed in reserve at Bruges. The problem was so serious, a German naval minister conducted an exorcism of the ship. But we know that's not going to work. Yeah. Because German naval ministers can't do exorcisms, can they? I don't know. No, they can't. It has to be given permission by the Pope. Oh, right. Yeah, the Catholic Church. Otherwise... They, they yeah, know. and they we wouldn't have been a Catholic. No. They would have actually been Protestant because the Germans are, yeah. Indeed. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, yeah. Mm. So... Mm. Really clever. So U-boat losses meant that the UB-65 had to go back into service. And before long, once again, the problem started. A torpedo gunner went insane on board in May and had to be sedated. After he seemingly recovered, he then went up to the deck and jumped off, committing suicide. The chief engineer of the crew slipped and broke his leg and the gunman of the submarine was swept off by a huge wave and drowned. On June the 30th, 1918, the UB-65 sailed from Zeebrugge to keep a rendezvous with doom. On the 10th of July, she was sighted by an American submarine, the L-2, off the west coast of Ireland. The American captain gave orders for her to be attacked, but before the torpedoes could be launched, the UB-65 blew up, killing every member of her crew. However, the captain also reported seeing a figure on the deck right before the explosion. Who do you think it is, folks? Who do you think it is? Well, he was said to be an officer with a Mediterranean complexion. So that was that. It was indeed. It was brilliant. They were actually really good stories. Uh, do you know what? Well done you for doing all that research. I mean, I, I mean, I typed in ghost ships and sort of looked down and see what came up. And it was just, uh, there's so many of them. I know. Well, this is the thing. There are so many hauntings on even shipwrecks. We've got to do shipwrecks yet. Yeah. Because there's so many. Uh, like I mentioned before, Titanic, for example. Well, you were saying about, um, we'd spoken before, we did, um, I think it was Into the Deep, the podcast we were doing there, yes. where you said about you wonder if there are underwater ghosts. There are. Yeah. And are you now going to go and sort of try and find those, because I think there's we need loads. to tell those stories. Mm. There's there's quite a few of those. Yeah. I mean, God, imagine if you're like on a, doing on a dive on a wreck and uh, something. Uh, no. Or if you're down there in a submarine and you yeah. suddenly see something or hear yeah. something and there's nowhere to run and there's nowhere to hide yeah. because you're right at the bottom of the sea yeah. and you're trapped. You're stuck. In the darkness. That's why that last one, the UB-65 one, really sort of oh, made me think, oh, God, uneasy. imagine, yeah. 
Can you just imagine that? Yeah. Being just... stuck on board and you keep seeing like the, the, the guy that you knew, this dead officer, De Schwartz, or this horrific. Woman. Yeah. And he just keeps appearing. And... I kept saying De Schwartz. I know. And it's the same thing, you isn't say it? To me, you know, when I say <laughs> to to but I think people know what we're talking about, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just a yeah, really, really good story. I mean, they all gave something different. Yeah, totally. And I think that's the thing is that you had sort of stories to be tell. One, two, three, four, five. Mm. Was there five there? Five different stories, mm. all covering like different things. And they were the ones that I sort of picked out of the mass. There was another one about, I think it was a, a Russian cruise liner that was taken away to be towed and it broke away and apparently it's drifting across the sea and oh. it's got a, a crew of cannibal rats on it. Oh. You're like, whoa, that's a class run. Oh. Perhaps we can include that one next time. So Cannibal rats. Yeah, there's more than enough for a second episode. So we could well come back to this one again in the future. We've got so much to but do. But you came up with a really good one when we were out tonight talking about... Um, cursed vehicles you know with yes where sort of cars that have crashed and been repaired and bits and the repairs cars, have gone on airplanes yeah anything like that yeah or parts of boats that have been reused have you know it's like james dean for example his spider yeah that's that's quite one that most of us know about but the bits from his car after the car crash were used in, in different vehicles and they all had accents yeah and you're just thinking is there something in that yeah there's got to be that's another one. Yeah. Well, that's another one we're going to do, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. And I don't want anybody, don't steal our ideas. Yeah, oh, we shouldn't have said that. Because we're giving everything away we are. here. We're telling you, oh, you know, yeah. most secrets. Don't pinch our ideas. Don't pinch our ideas. But not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that will be another classic, won't it? Mm. Guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to do, folks, we are going out there. We're not just going to be in here, right? Yeah. Aren't we, Nigel? We are. We Nige? are. Yes. After, <laughs> honestly, didn't think the the bonkers last episode that we did. If you go down to the woods, honestly, didn't think. You're sure of a big surprise. Yeah, that would actually go down. So we well. were sure of a big surprise. We were, honestly, Jules. Brown trousers all the way back to the car. But who was the most scared, Jules? That's a very good question. Because pe people have asked me, "Oh, you were you the most scared?" Because they've. Uh, I have to say, I probably sounded the most scared. Well, my... to be honest, I think with the paranormal, because I can sense a lot of it, that yeah. gives me a bit of an advantage over you. Yeah. But then when things happen, I think we're both equally we're both as bad as each other, aren't we? But that, honestly, we don't yeah. we don't normally get that spooks. No. I have to say, we've really experienced no. other things. I mean, not been that spook, but that really threw us that night. I think it was basically... Because it wasn't, I don't think, this is just my opinion, I don't think what we experienced was paranormal. I really don't. I don't think it was a ghost. But that noise that we heard. Yeah. And guys, if you haven't listened to our previous podcast, please do listen to it because we would love your opinions on what the heck we captured that night. Yeah, because we really don't know. We have no idea what that noise was. It was really strange. Really, really odd. But I think because of that noise, it wasn't human. I don't, I'm not sure whether, it, I don't know. I think it was some kind of weird animal. Yeah. You know what my thoughts are. Yeah. But, oh gosh, really. I, I just, what can you say? I know. We've got to go out and do that again. We've got to find another location. Another that's woods? As spooky as the woods. I don't know. We've done the woods. We'll have to find something else. But it's trying to find somewhere that could have that same sort of atmosphere. Well, That's not plenty. going to be easy. Is it? <laughs> what in Norfolk? There's oh, loads. Yeah. 
There's a creepy place, isn't Norfolk? What are you talking about? Well, there is, but it's actually trying to get somewhere we can get in and record ourselves. Well, there's loads of air bases and things like that, isn't there, we can do? We could do an air base, I suppose, couldn't we? Yeah. As part of our ghost airfields, we could do a... Yeah. Yeah. Where we had... Oh, gosh, where was it where we went to? And we had quite a few experiences with the um, laser light moving and everything in the fog and I've forgotten near you. Oh, St. Bennett's Abbey. Yeah. Uh-huh. We had loads of things happen there. We could do we could do a, a live recorded podcast there. Some, some, yeah, we could do St. Bennett's what Abbey. Do you think? Yeah, because that's a good story, the Screaming Monk. So, yeah. Yeah. And see what happens. We could do that. Because if we capture anything live, then it's there, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You know? I don't think we're ever going to beat the noise from uh, Harling Woods, though. No. Never, never going to get another one I like don't, that. I still don't know what that no. is. And I've listened to it so many times. And I've been through YouTube. And I've been through so many different animal noises. No. And nothing fits. Nothing quite fits. I love it when you get something like that. I know. Makes it all worthwhile. It, the truth is out there. It certainly is. And we will continue being out there for as long as we possibly can. So if you want to follow us and see more of what we do, we're all over social media. We're on X. Oh, I can't. X. I, yeah, I just, I just. What is that? It just, and yeah. X, formerly known as Twitter. Twitter, yeah. It's, it's always. Like it's always formerly, it's formerly known, known as, as Prince, Prince isn't that's it? it? It's always going to be Twitter oh. in my heart. But we're on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. We're on Facebook. Yep. We're on Insta. Yep. We're on YouTube. Yep. We have a podcast channel. We have a website at www.outtheregroup.net. And we also have a couple of episodes of Ghost Airfields on um, Prime Video. Yes. With more coming up, we have um, been working very, very hard on another episode of an airbase that we visited on a few occasions and we're going back to because we've managed to get ourselves into a building. This is a biggie, folks. This it one. is, yes. So it's taking a lot of man hours because it, it really is a we've biggie. we put a lot of hard work into it to try and um, to make something that's actually as good as the previous one that we did. It's taken a lot of hard work. And um, trying to get ourselves into places, it's not always that easy. But we've landed on our feet with this one. We've got a very nice guy who's helping us out. So, yeah, it's great. Watch this space. Indeedy deedy. So, that's it. So, it's goodbye from me. And thank you so much for your time and listening to us. And it's goodbye from him. And we'll see you again soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.